Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Hi, this is Betsy, and in today's episode of Tend Her Wild, we have a very special guest that is particularly near and dear to Kate, because her daughter, Meg Moreland, is here with us today. Hi, Meg. Hi, thanks for having me. And the purpose of today's episode is, you know, Kate and I are, can I dare say, middle-aged, and... uh, (laughs) We are really curious to get a window into this topic of rewilding, becoming who we truly are, stepping into our natural essence. I mean, Kate and I have been at this for a while in terms of our own development, but we want to know what it's like for a young woman in their 20s. Yes, and Megan, I've started to have these conversations, and so I was like, I think this would be interesting for people to hear about and and see kind of the evolution that's happened um, and how generations are looking at things differently and women uh, are tapping into their authenticity, I, I think, earlier than we did and discussing different things at a time when we were just, I guess, oblivious to that. Yeah. There was no space for us to talk about it no. yet. Okay, so I feel like we should do a proper introduction, Meg. Okay. And of course, um, because we both know you, so we just assume the audience knows you, but they don't <laughs> know you. So um, tell us about how old you are, what you're doing. I am 22 years old, and I'm about to graduate from college. Uh, I am graduating with a bachelor's in nursing and a minor in public health, which came out a very apt time as I decided to do that. And then that semester is when the pandemic came on full force. So I'll be graduating and I will hopefully, fingers crossed, be getting a job as a labor and delivery nurse. And then trying to kind of answer the question of what my next step is beyond that and whether I do want to go back to school. I'm particularly interested in midwifery and um, so we'll see. I don't really know what's next. Yeah. And you were like in that age range. I think I've talked about this on the podcast. There are two particular groups that seem to suffer most during the pandemic. It was middle-aged mothers like ourselves and it was young people between the ages of like 18 and 22. So like that, you were right in the thick of, you know, your life as a college student being completely different. Mm -hmm. It was my spring semester of my sophomore year. I was I kind of, I think of it as I had kind of two separate journeys, I guess, with the pandemic in the sense that um, at first, like many people did, I think in college, I moved home. And so I had this time that I never thought I was going to have again with my family, which was a beautiful thing, although it was during a very she hesitated. Time. Kate, did I you know. see that? She did a little bit. <laughs> we were talking about, we, we had a lot of fun during that time. No, we did. I, I think that 
I don't know, you go to college and you kind of, I know for me, the day you dropped me off at college, I was a, I was a wreck yes, and right. I had been pretty confident like going into that. I was like, I got this, I'm ready. Cause, um, I go to the university of Minnesota. So I was going to be just a drive away from home. But then the day of, I just completely like crashed. And all I could think about is I was like, I'm never going to live at home again. I'm never going to be. I had the exact same experience, Meg. Yeah. I cried like a baby, not thinking that I would. And I remember I like, I still have the vision of my parents driving off of the hill on the campus of where, and I was thinking, what did I just do? So I well, totally and relate I can to that. Tell you as a par- parent, you'll learn this. Driving away is probably the hardest thing as a parent you do because it feels like the end of a, of major chapters. And you felt that obviously yes. and didn't think you'd ever live at home again. <laughs> Never thought I would have, you know, breaks and things. Sure. I would be fortunate to come back for those, but I didn't think that I was going to be able to have that time at home again. And I have two younger brothers. And so kind of acknowledging that my role in their life is going to be very different too. And we had just gotten a puppy and she was at home too. So that was hard, but then the pandemic hit and I remember that I was in actually the O'Hare International Airport in Chicago when we got the email from the University of Minnesota that it was going to be, um, it, well, at first it was two weeks. We we're extending spring break two weeks to deal with the COVID-19. Well, at that time it wasn't a pandemic, just with COVID-19. And uh, we were like, awesome, extended spring break. Sounds good. Like no one at that point had any concept of what was about to come. And so uh, we got, I got back to Minneapolis and I got in the car with my friend who lives in Omaha and we did our drive. We've done so many times to Des Moines and you picked me up and then I got to be home and then that extended into a lot longer. And then we moved into a smaller house in the beginning of yeah, that. And so, but for me, that was kind of the first part of the pandemic for me was that was when it was extremely scary. It was when I started realizing, oh, I don't know when I'm going to be back in school. I have no idea if and did you have like great, like, I just think, I mean, college is clearly, it's all about education and growth and development, but it's also truly about like having fun and, you know, being with friends and like, it's an identity development. Like, did you ever have a sense of like, I'm missing out, I'm getting completely ripped off here that I don't, you know, get to go hang out with my friends and did you feel that ever? Oh, absolutely. Because I was also back in town and I had my small group of high school friends that were around, but then there was this, and I think I'm sure from your perspective, I mean, we talk about like with my younger brother, he was a senior in high school when that happened. And it was hard to, I think I saw it from your end as a parent, being able to parent and being like, I, I know you want to go do these things. We can't right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of having that internal battle. I'm sure it was something, I know it was something going on in so many households at that time was you had this younger generation saying, I'm missing out. Like there are so many formative things that I want to be doing and that I, I want to, and you had parents being like, that's just not, this is not the time for it, which is hard when that was something you all got. And you're supposed yeah. to rebel when you're yes. like in your twenties, exactly. right? Like you're yes. supposed to be like, forget it, mom and dad, I'm going out anyway. But here we are with like, well, you could get COVID and potentially die because we didn't fully understand. Well, and we the price a, was, so I think much. what at that point would, was the kind of messaging, I think, for our generation was that we, I mean, we could kill our grandparents or we yeah. could kill our parents. And that was, so it was just this internal battle of, you know. 
developmentally what was right for you to want to do and mm-hmm. then the reality. And fighting against that like natural urge to natural be like, this urge, is what- Which is, yeah, which is also rewilding, right? Like mm-hmm. your natural essence. And we had to like repress and push some of that natural essence down for a period of time. The other thing I noticed in that time period, I was so relieved. I was mm. operating, I think, at such a high level at college, and I didn't recognize that. I was so go, go, go. I was exhausted. When I found out that I got those extra two weeks of spring break, I was like, thank goodness. Like, I'm going to sleep. I'm mm. going to, like, like recharge, re-energize. I think a lot of people felt that, like, across mm-hmm. all age ranges. There was, there was some, like, built-in relief of yeah. uh, a forced break that none of us saw coming. Because yeah. it's so not common in our society, right? We never, we don't give ourselves in America. Breaks. Like we, there's no we don't power down. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. Okay. So, what do you think is the? I mean, not that we're out of pandemic, but we're. I think we're getting really potentially close. Knock on wood. <laughs> don't maybe don't quote <laughs> me on that. But um, what do you think is going to be some of the long term? ramifications of what you went through as a young person going through this unprecedented time? What do you think is going to come out of it for maybe for you, but also for your generation? Like, what are you guys talking about? So going back to, I said, I kind of felt like I had these two parts to my pandemic journey. The second part was I went back to school and I was living um, with my friends and it was four of us. Right. But we were still in this, like, it was still the pandemic. However, we were also expected to be operating as a normal college student would. All our classes were online, but we still had the normal workload. Very few professors. There was a little bit more wiggle room, but there was no assignments taken out of the curriculum. There was no, we were just put back into this expectation of, you know, here you go back into your college curriculum and there's, you're doing it online and you're doing it without leaving your home, but you should be operating the same way you used to. Mm -hmm. And the four of us, we were... I think of it as at that point, we were like a family unit. Cause at that time, me and one of those other girls, we were going into the hospital for our nursing clinical rotations. And so we took that responsibility probably perhaps to the extreme, but at that time it felt very warranted of like, you know, we're not, we're not going out. We can't be around people who are, we can't have, because we go into a hospital every day and are seeing people who are already sick. And the fact that we could bring that potential that we could bring that in is just too great for us. And so we, we were kind of in just like this survival mode altogether. And we had to ask our two other friends to kind of shut their lives down so that, you know, like they had to make some sacrifices for us. Then now we look back and we're like, that was incredibly kind of them to do. Because at that point, when college kids were back in school, that following um, the oh. fall of 2020, it, it was really a, a huge divide of there was a group of kids that they were now away from their parents. They weren't hearing that narrative that we were just talking about of, you must stay in. You must, yes. yeah. And now, and so you had a group that started going out again and you had a group that didn't. And there was conflict in that. Oh, that's interesting. There was, a, a yes, there was actually. Like judgment between. S- mm-hmm. mm. Judgment for not and judgment for. So mm. it was a very interesting time because there was, there was this, it felt very. Like a split. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah. Is that split still there or do you think that's going to. I think it's already started to fade. I think that a lot of people, it perhaps changed some friendships forever. Yeah. Which well, happened. We've talked about that yeah. too. In the, you know, I think all generations, there was a cl- new clarity on friends and who you want to spend your time with. And so I, I think that that 
definitely happened in our generation as well. I also think that I always was like, I can always see this on both sides. I know what I'm going to do. I know what my choice is, but I can always see this on, like I can see both sides of this. So that that was also hard as being like, I understand you. I know why that's what you're doing. Yeah. I just, for me, that's not what I would prioritize. And yeah. And you were in, a, like you said, you you particularly and, and one of your other roommates were nursing and in the hospital and you were also seeing, you would tell us, we have, you know, you were in pediatrics seeing adult COVID patients in the hospital. In my job, yeah. So you, you, you were, were right at the front, of it. front edge of all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I would say this past year when a lot of things, you know, vaccines came out, everything kind of lightened up a little bit. I don't want to say that because that wasn't true for everyone, but I think there was a like some movement and kind of closing towards hopefully the end of the pandemic. And then school was back like person. in person. And then I, the four of us who were living in this kind of like survival mode, like family type of thing, oh, well, we all started doing our own thing again. And it was so hard oh. to figure out how to do that. When we were so used to, if one of us was watching a TV show, we were all watching the TV show. If one of us wanted to play a game, we'd all play a game. If one of us, you know, we also just didn't have a social life beyond the four of us. So then we moved into this. You're back in the world. Phase where we're back in the world. And I, me and one of my very close friends, the my friend who's in nursing with me, her name's Sydney. And she, we had a really tough summer moving into this, like finding our own Way our again. own way again yeah and 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 acknowledging that that's not going to look the same now for all of us and that yeah. we just as we had before we were all on different paths but so were connection. you guys a little was it a little sad that you weren't as connected as you were during that time I think it was I think it was also dealing of with the um at that time we were also in leadership roles for an organization we were involved in and that was extremely challenging. So what I want to really know um, is what do you think of your mom starting to talk about being a wild woman and doing this podcast? Because I know you've listened to all of the episodes thus far. And uh, what do you think? Not to put you on the spot, Meg, but (laughs) what do you think? I've thought about this because I think it's been a discussion that we've had. And um, the thing about my mom is I, I truly believe that she knows what's right for her and there's a certain amount of feedback she'll take but at the end of the day like she knows what's best for her and that's and that's her next move and I think when you were talking about your career and you know you asked about what she would want me to take away from that I absolutely had this idea of if something isn't serving you anymore what's your next move how are you going to grow how are you going to continue to to do the next right thing for yourself and I always saw that when people ask me what my mom does, I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of a complicated answer. She does like 18 different things, actually, if you want to know. And then it's just interesting because they ask me that about you. And then they'll ask me about my dad. I'm like, oh, he's a lawyer. (laughs) He's always been a lawyer. He's been in the same career forever. And like, it's just, it's so much more interesting when it, when it is this kind of like story. And I think for some people they find what they love and that's because I think he loves his job and that's what's great for him. But I think for you, you've always like when you answer about the archetype and you're like, I am the full life answer, the seeker, Mm. that is just so true for you. And it's always been, so this just felt like the natural progression. Yeah. Let's ask her that question. Will you ask her that question that we ask all of our guests about? Well, let me start first. 
Meg Moreland. Yes. Do you consider yourself a wild woman? I do. <gasps> okay, yes. so now ask her. So you know in the book, The Women Who Run With Wolves, that we've talked about. Yes. We ask all of our guests this question. Yeah. She talks about how there are a few precious doors into the world of the wild woman. So which door is your door? If you have a deep scar, that is a door. If you have an old, old story, that is a door. If you love the sky and the water so much you can almost not bear it, that is a door. And if you yearn for a deeper life, a full life, a sane life, that is a door. Which door do you think you took or are taking, perhaps, into your life as a wild woman? You can have more than one door. I know. I feel like, this is like many a of your guests have said that animal. it's or animal. This is a multiple, multiple <laughs> wild, wild animal. This is a multiple choice question, potentially. I actually really resonate with one. I thought that I'd sit there and I'd be like, oh, I could see all of these for me. But for me, it's the old, old story. Ooh, that's not At what 22. I would have guessed. Well, Meg. I feel like being in a profession where like nursing, um, even before I'm sure it was called nursing, there's... I think women just have this innate ability to care and to care for others and to take care of others. And so I feel like I'm continuing in that story in my own career. And I'm particularly interested in women's health and giving back to the female community that I feel like has given so much to me over the years. I love that. And so it's I the think old, old stories, the old, old story of nursing and old a way. story of nursing, old story and of healing, healers. your healer. Yeah. Um, and I'm very, <gasps> your mom, did you just see that? <laughs> I looked at her and I'm like, she's a healer. And your mom's like, huh, her eyes lit up. Yeah. Is that the first time, Kate, that you I think sort of I put think, it in those terms? Yeah, I think it is. And I think what's so fascinating to me, we've always said Meg's an old soul. Ever since you were tiny, you would look at people. Meg was the kind of baby that didn't even immediately smile at people. Like they'd be like. She was sizing them up. Always. <laughs> check Her eyes, like she would just. She would just look at you for a while and make a decision about how she was going to respond. And so you, you've always had this kind of old spirit about you. But to think that at 22, you are healing. Like, it's not something you have to wait until you're my age to say you're a healer. You can be a healer at a very yeah. young age. And, and I think... I think you've always been that to even your friends, Meg. You were kind of the person people would come to if they had problems or you were you were often in the middle of things trying to kind of bring people back together, healing relationships, friends that were maybe struggling with different issues you wanted to help heal them. And so it is, that's been the story of your life and now this career is your next phase, I think. But I just hadn't thought about it in mm -hmm. that, those terms. You know, that's what happens in these podcast chairs. We always, we talk about it. It's a little like therapy. Like suddenly we're like, whoa, I never thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. But suddenly it drops in. So yeah. I just saw it in your mom's eyes and mm -hmm. <laughs> I had to call her on it for a moment. I think it was for you when I said, I'm going to, I'm going to do nursing. I think for you, it was just a little shocking. So you choose the old, old story, which I love that that was the one that just spoke to you. So your mom and I are having conversations and we'll continue our conversations about this rewilding. And I think for she and I, we've both already shared on this podcast how 
there's been a lot of shedding that's had to happen. There's been a lot of shedding of old stories. There's been a lot of shedding of old pain. There's been a lot of shedding of old identities to, to reconnect to our essence. But I don't want to make an assumption that, but like, you're so fresh, you're like so young, right? There's not, there's not shedding that has to happen. And my sense, but I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, is that you're already just kind of tuned into your essence in a way that maybe I wasn't at 22. Right. And, and you and kind of your, the generation, you know, your friends, your friend group, I feel like you talk much more openly about who you are, what you want, um, your mental health, your physical health. You're having deeper, different conversations than we would have at 20. I think that is true from the conversations we've had about your experience at my age. I think that, and that is due to, I think, a lot of the work done by your generation (gasps) in your time. Because we have chills. We have to have the space to be able to do that. And we have to have people showing us how to do it. Right. And so I think that one of the scariest things that I ever did is I think I was 12 and I went to therapy for the first time. To my understanding, even now, I think for my generation too, that's pretty young to go into therapy for the first time. I know I'm sure there are other people in my generation who did, but I always felt like I had an awareness of my mental health and what that meant and what that was starting at about that age. So it's just been the natural progression to always have that be in my conversations and to be in, when I talk about myself, I find that to be a very identifying part of myself is how important my mental health is to me and how I've, my journey through that. And I think for a lot of people in my generation, there's just not that stigma that was there. Can I tell you how happy that makes me? I mean, being in the field of mental health and seeing what a challenge it's been for so many people to get help or to actually address it or face it. There was, there was such a stigma. And so just to hear you say, like I always almost have tears in my eyes right now to hear you say that, like, it's not a stigma in the same way for your generation. You guys talk about it. You honor it. You don't look down upon people for it. You receive help. You reach out like that's, yeah, that's, that's stunning to me. And I do want to say, I think that this, there is still some stigma with specific mental health conditions. I think my generation talks a lot about depression and anxiety, and those are two things that do affect so many people. So it's kind of this universal thing and it's easier for us to talk about. One out of four people. Mm -hmm. But there's, but I do like, there are, I think some, I would say there's still some stigma around some of the quote unquote, like harsher mental health illnesses and um, things of that sort. So I don't want to say that there's, we're there, we've done it, but I think that there's more conversation. There's more like conversation and more awareness. More. And the hard thing is, is I know so many people right now that can acknowledge in my generation, oh, I need to be in therapy. There's some things I need to be talking about. But there's... Wait, pause. Would anyone have ever said that in college? Oh, no. Never. Never. No. In fact, I had, you know, friends and people that went through some really hard stuff in college. Me too. And I don't ever remember people saying, maybe you should go talk to someone. Yeah. They just struggled through it. I had friends that just disappeared for periods of time and then came back months later, but no one really talked about what was going on for them. Right. So that, that is strikingly different. So they're able to acknowledge that, but then they're 
and I'm sure Betsy, you would be able to speak on this, but there, there is to a certain extent, a lack of mental health resources, especially in my generation. And I will say there's most universities will have some sort of program, uh, but people have to wait six months to get into those for just an intake appointment. And then, I mean, fall down the rabbit hole of health insurance and all of that stuff. But a lot of people like can acknowledge that they need that help, but they don't have the access to it. And so I think that's something that's kind of the next step. And I hope it's something my your before my generation mm-hmm. could get done, but my generation for sure could get done. It's a men- we're in mental health crisis right now. And you're right. There's a lot of people that can't get access to resources that need it and want it. So I agree. There's a lot of work to be done to make it even more accessible. And, and I love the idea that your generation can be a part of that. I hope so. I hope Does your generation feel, because I think so many of us, or I'll speak for myself, I feel like I want to look to your generation to say, help. Do you guys have new ideas, new new creative ways to help where we're at as a planet and where we're going? Do you? Does your generation feel the pressure of that? Do you feel up for the challenge of, of helping with global warming and healthcare crises and racism and sexism and misogyny. Like, do you, do you feel that pressure? Is that something I'm just placing on your generation? No, I'm so I, curious. I think there's a pressure to it because I think at this point there's this acknowledgement that it's going to be us or it's going to be no one wow. that, you know, we, we would hope that it would be like our parents that could, you know, we're, I'm still at the age where I still look to my parents for different things. Like if I need help, I go to them for advice. Um, kind of that very young adult age where you're still trying to figure it out. And so with those big issues too, you kind of look at that at your generation. I'm and not giving like, up on my generation yet, but <laughs> I'm hoping to the younger yeah. generation. I think the creative new ideas and yes. the, thinking outside the box. Yeah. Yes. And you're not tied to these old patterns of, you know, even driving cars. <laughs> young people are like, well, I could use a car, but it's, you're, you're also very willing to, to not. And I think there's a, there's kind of a big, like when my friends, when we'll, we'll be talking about politics or we'll be talking about some of these issues, you know, uh, climate change and, and all these things, we'll talk about it. And at the end, there's a little bit of this kind of like, well, we're effed, you know, like mm. I think there's hope, but I also think there's some realism in this where we're like, what? are we going to do when we're the ones because there feels like there's a lot of things that have are now irreparable. So I think, I do think there's hope. I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer here being like, Oh my God. And yeah. again, I, but that's a, that is only a portion of your generation. No, there is some cynicism. Some, yeah. There's some cynicism yeah. in my generation being like, there's only so much we can do. And I think that's a big part of too, just, and I think it was true when you were my age, there's, there's just a little bit of ageism where it's like, you're not quite ready yet, or you're not quite you know, you need to have a little bit more life experience. You need to have a little bit more of this or that to be able to kind of speak to certain issues or certain things. And so I think there's, we are getting told a little bit too, that it's like, it's not your time yet. Mm. So I think it's, it's a lot of different factors. And I think there's a lot of different perspectives on it in my generation too. And of course I'm only representing one, but. And you, you know, you've been living in Minneapolis and at, you know, a place that has, you know, been the center of so much, you know, unrest, heartache, and unrest, strife. Yeah. And how is that? I mean, I, I told her way back when this was happening, I said, Meg, you're going to remember this time in history because you're up close to it and you're, 
you're going to watch that evolution and know that you were there when it really began. Yeah, were you actually in the city when George Floyd was killed? I was not there when he was murdered. Um, I was home for the COVID-19 pandemic, and I, I remember us sitting in the living room watching it. And um, But it was your city, you know? It was your where you'd been. Oh, there yeah. was protests right outside where I had just been living and people were getting tear gassed right outside the building that I had just been living. And so there was, you know, that many, the Minneapolis community has just been through so much and continues to go through so much. Amir Locke was, um, was just killed, uh, up there. If you don't know about that story, I encourage you to look it up and there just continues to be a lack of change that can also be very frustrating and, the other thing I will say is I hear a lot of people talking about the Minneapolis community as it's just, oh, the town's unsafe, it's a ghost town, or like there's just nothing going on. And that. and so many of those people are people, no offense, but living in the suburbs, right? And I'm like, when's the last time you were in the city? Because I love that city. I think there's so much life in that city. And I think that the resilience of that community is unmatched and has been, it's been a really trying time for the past two years. And I think that I still love being there. I, I think that will be my long-term home. And so much of that is because of, of how resilient the community is and, and how they just keep moving forward, even when it feels like there's, there's nowhere else to go. So Kate and I talk, your mom and I talk a lot about part of rewilding and stretching into our essence is like getting out of the boxes that we feel constricted in or feel blocked in by. And I'm just curious, do you feel like there are any boxes for you that you're trying to bust out of or, and I'm asking you to speak for your generation, or do you feel like you right now feel pretty free? I think for me personally, and I think for maybe a, I would say perhaps part of my generation, there comes a time when you decide when your like journey on this, like the society's laid out of like, you know, high school, college, like there's just like this kind of like set roadmap, right? For a lot of people and people decide to get off on that roadmap at different times. Some people like it's when they graduate high school or it's even before that, or it's um, when they graduate masters, when they're just done with this kind of like, I think classic, like, this is the next step. Educational path. Educational path, yes. And just this idea of like, this is what's right and what your next step is, where you have to redefine success for yourself. Because for me, for the past however many years, it's been academic success. That's a lot of how I, where I derive my self-worth from, honestly, is am I getting good grades? Am I able to, like, how is that? That's for me how I feel like I'm achieving success and being measured by society, I guess. And so now I'm at this time where I'm graduating and that's not going to be there anymore. I'm not going to have this kind of like weekly check-in of how am I doing? And so that to me is incredibly scary and kind of a, a new like frontier of like, how do I personally define success in my life? And how is that, how am I going to carry that forward for all of these years? And what, you know, how am I going to know I'm on now it's not the right path, but it's my path, right? How am I going to be able to check in with myself and say, okay, I'm moving in some direction that I want to be moving in 
and not just, oh, this is my handheld next step of my yeah, life. Your growth, will you will determine where you grow and how you grow and take charge. And I think it's hard. And I think that like I'm at the point where so many people are starting to apply for jobs and we're kind of trying to get in, create our next step. And it's, I see people in my generation, and I think it was probably true for years as well, making decisions, I believe, I think for the wrong wrong reason. And I guess I can't say that for anyone else specifically, but what would those reasons be? I think there's this under like this kind of idea that I, I think it's what their parents want or it's what they feel like is going to be the most financial gain or they feel like is just what is, they have no choice in the matter. That just is their next step. That is the so only thing So those are the boxes. Have. You just described the boxes. Yeah. I'm going to do it for the money. I'm going to do it because it pleases someone else. Those are the boxes, mm -hmm. but I don't hear that from you necessarily. I don't, I don't think that I had a realization and I think it was due to the COVID-19 pandemic where I really recognized for myself that what makes me happy and what I always want to prioritize in my life is my relationships. And for me, I really enjoy my career. I can already tell that I'm really going to like getting into the field of, I, well, I kind of feel like I've already been in the field of nursing. Yeah, it's been so here. demanding these past couple, like even for nursing assistants, it's just been a really tough time and a lot of burnout. And I know your previous that episode, I think being released today is about burnout and that yeah. the healthcare community is unreal right now. And for me, I just have already made the decision that the money is never going to be a decision. Obviously, it's a factor. We can't act like it's not a factor. There's We live in a society where mm -hmm. money is a big factor and a big player. And so, but it's never going to be my end all be all. And I think I've always had a little bit in me where I almost like to do the opposite of what you want me to yes, do. Yes, you have had that in you for a while. <laughs> um, really? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, she's so that's the wild. That's the on wild. like certain things. On certain things, I definitely. I think now we've really we get on the same page, but we still have healthy debate about different things. And you'll tell me things, and I'll say no. That's not yeah. how it's I'm so going to go about yeah, that. I love that mm -hmm. you guys do that. Yeah, we it, have pretty healthy discourse. Really I would say. good. <laughs> and I would also say would something say. about us. What. And I say this to my friends all the time because here's the, this is going to sound maybe like I'm such a disrespectful human being or a child, but my friends are always shocked at how I talk to my parents. Mm. Shocked. <laughs> because I just kind of, we have this like levity Free, open, and I think we have really made the transition into friendship. You're still my parents. I still go to right. you for specific things, but we've really moved into this kind of new realm of like friendship. And so yeah, and you're not afraid to call us out sometimes. Never, ever, <laughs> never. <laughs> sometimes says. or never, um, uh, which, yeah. But I, the thing about is us unusual. is I think you and I, I think we talk about this for, for women, it can be so hard to feel anger and like mm. do that in a way that's like accepted. And do you I, get mad at your mom? All the time. Oh. And she gets mad at me. That's we what I'm saying. We let ourselves do that with each other. We so will, we have good. this. Yeah. I'm I, so if I need, happy about this. This sounds so right horrible. Now. And I think you might say the same thing for if I'm looking for a fight, you know, when sometimes you're looking, you for go a to fight, your mom, you go to my mom yeah. always, <laughs> she'll never disappoint. And <laughs> I'm saying we, we show up in that space and for each other. yes, we can be that for each other. And then 10 minutes later, we're like, 
laughing about something. That yeah. is so move on. healthy because that you've got to get it up and out and yeah. you just use your mom for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. so healthy. And I do that for you sometimes. I love that. There's times when I'm rageful about something and I'll call you up and you hear me and listen and then you're like, okay, get over it, mom. You're good. Or, yeah, I think, yeah. No, we we both use each other as that kind of like outlet. Um, and I do, th- I think it's been really healthy and. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, no, but if I need to yell at someone, I'm calling my mom. Yeah. <laughs> I hope my daughter can do that with me someday. Uh, This is good to talk about. And I think you always let me feel those feelings, which was the other thing, is that that's why I feel so safe doing that with you because you never were like, that's wrong, don't be mad. Or like, that's not the correct response to this. You just meet me where I was sometimes. Yeah, well, thank you. How do you feel about that, Kate? (laughs) I, I, I think we... Yeah, I, I, you're my only daughter too, so we've had a close bond uh, because we live with all these boys. Um, so I think it was not necessarily a conscious thing I, I did, as much as you know. Maybe that's what I I wanted too, right? I wanted that type of opportunity to be able to share how I was feeling with someone close to me, and and so I'm glad I could be that for you. And as you've aged and become an adult woman, I feel like yeah, you've kind of turned you're that for me too, which is, yeah, a special relationship that I'm not sure everyone maybe has. And, and I hadn't really thought about it till today about the dynamics. Again, a moment during a podcast where it just comes down. You know, one of the things about a wild woman is that I has taken us that I'm still working on is loving your body Hmm. and your generation. Do you feel like I'm just, that's the name we're talking like, and you've told us today, like the progress that's been made. And it's like, yes, you're talking about mental health. What about like, you know, kind of loving your body and being okay with who you are? Because that was like not mm. a thing in college. That no. for me, I remember everyone talked about the freshman 15 and eating disorders were rampant. And yeah, oh, it was yeah. a really big problem. Huge issue for us in our 20s. And I think like eating disorders, that is mental health, right? Yeah. And so it kind of fits right into that where we have more of a discussion about it. But I think people are still affected by it. I think that there's especially for women and men, too. I want I mean, I want to I feel like I know a handful of men in my life, actually, that have struggled with eating disorders. And it it's just this again, this idea of what you're supposed to be supposed to be and there's an ideal and I must and we didn't have social media like you do we didn't have all those comparison photos it is it's nuts and I think that I had to so I have social media but I deleted the apps off my phone because I find that I either just it's a time suck or it's um a real downer (laughs) where you, Mm. where you go and you look and you're like, Oh, I'm not doing that. Or that's not what, I mean, I'm people talk about that all the time, but it is like this age of social media. I think about it. I was in eighth grade. I think when people started getting Instagram, um, and even then I think I ended up deleting my Instagram after a year of having it back then because I felt so weird about it. And I felt like it was, I don't know. There was something in me that I think I was just like, I don't think verse to it. Yeah. And I don't remember telling me this, but I don't think you, I don't think you felt like you could be authentic on it. I think, cause I remember you'd be like, well, everyone just dresses up for their pictures and they're all Photoshopped. And even then as a young girl, you knew that it wasn't real. 
and you didn't want to be part of that. So you've gone on and off it. I've watched you over the years. You'll be like, I'm, I'm off it right now. Or I think that I just always had a moment where I was, I'd be with my friends and we'd take a picture, right. Of a memory or of something that we were doing together. And then the next 10 minutes is everyone sitting on their phone, editing the photo, coming up with a caption, you know, posting it, asking advice. And, and that's fine. But I just, I never like, that always just bugged me. I was like, we just stopped this great moment we were having Mm. to share it with other people and prove we're having this great moment. And, Mm. and and again, that's so normal. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's just is what social media breeds. So what do you think is going to, because you guys are the social media generation and you're the tech generation. (laughs) What, what do you foresee this means for you guys? Cause this is all normal and it will probably just continue Mm-hmm. I think the the interesting discussion has been like my friends and I, when we talk about like eventually down the road, when we have our own kids, like what age do you get your kids a phone? Like there's just mm-hmm. so much like now we're almost like pulling back on it. We're like, oh no, like they're 15 or something. It will it be would, interesting to see if there's kind of this boomerang of just, you know. And I want to acknowledge social media can be so great. Like I, I do yeah. think that the. It's not all good. It's not all bad. Yeah. Like most things are, right? right. So moderation. I think that. There's a lot of, like when we come talk about activism, that's a really, I do think we actually had this discussion as a family, how much, like how you can just educate on those platforms, but how also it can kind of feel like this, like passive activism, where if you just acknowledge it on social media, it means that you stand, you know what I mean? Mm. Like having that discussion too about. This is really getting your fingernails dirty mm-hmm. and doing yes. something about it. Yeah. Yes. We did just have that. Mm-hmm. As a family. Conversation. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what we do with our own kids and what kind of we yeah, you're, decide you're, you're to pass the, on. But the, yeah. the problem is, is there's just so much access and so many things are on technology now that it's hard to say, oh, I could wait until my kid's 15 right, to do that, right? Because right. it's, I don't know. It's right. easy. And it's, you know, you're not a digital native, but your brother is. He was on iPads at three right he could work them better than you actually absolutely he's my tech guy Mm. so okay so maybe final question what does a young wild woman like you what kind of advice do you have for older Mm. not old but older older wild women like us I think and this is not directed at the two of you Specifically, I want to make that clear. There is, I think, a part of your generation that still holds on to the part, I think, of the generation before you. Or it's a little, do you know what I mean? Like, as you're rewilding, there is still this side that's like, you know, you look at our generation, you're like, oh, that's not right. Or that's, I guess it's to stop being so judgmental. Judgment. <laughs> yeah. I think that there's, yeah. we're going to do things our way as you yeah. did things your way and our parents did it there and I think sometimes sit and think about and acknowledge like oh a lot of the reason why all this can happen is because we went through what we went through I think so often it's like oh because I went through this you should be going through this too Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean like we want there to be some of like to be like I I had to do this right but it's you made it easier for us to be able to be ourselves and be able to rewild at a younger age and be able to be who we are and I think the other piece of advice is if you don't understand something, that doesn't mean it's wrong. <gasps> That's good. Wow. Okay, so less judgment or no judgment, non-judgment. And if you don't understand something, it doesn't mean it's wrong. 
Mm-hmm. And try yeah. to understand it. Give you a big hug for those. I those know. are really, I'm going to sit with those. Those are really good pieces of advice. Yeah. Thank you, old soul Meg. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, yes. Thank you for. Do I not get the rapid fire question? Oh, d- yeah. Would you like the rapid fire questions? <laughs> no, that's okay. We'll have to find them. Do you want them? Do you want them? We talk about sex. I know. That's why I thought it'd be funny. I thought it'd make her so uncomfortable. (laughs) We can find them. We could make up rapid fires as we go. Yeah, we could. Let's make up a new round of rapid fire for Meg. I like that idea. Does that sound okay? Yes. Soda or sparkly water? None of the above. What do you drink? Water. I don't like carbonation. I will say my friends, it's sparkling water. Yeah. All the time. It's no such one a big thing diet for soda me. anymore, do they? Oh, it's hard because my roommates, they love Diet Coke. So really? I in my generation, I think choice. it's like a I do think it's kind of a I don't think in general my generation is drinking a lot of diet soda, but my my sweet dear roommates are. Okay. Rapid right. fire question number two. Eat, okay. Eat out or cook at home? I'm trying to cook at home more, but I think eat out. Always. I love trying new foods and I love going to a restaurant. Walking or driving? Walking. How about alone time or friend time? Friend time at this point in my life. I think. Movies in a theater or Netflix? Netflix. Early to bed or stay up late? Mm, stay up late. Too late. I have one final one. Yeah. Committed relationship or dating around? I would have to say a committed relationship. Beautiful. But no shame in the, uh, in the hookup game. So no judgment, no, no, no judgment. judgment. That's what you're telling you us. You don't no understand judgment. it. It's not no wrong. judgment. Meg Moreland, you are a treat and a gift and a wise soul. And thank you for shedding some light on your generation for us. Thank you so much for having me and for having these conversations. I mean, my friends listen to this and they do and they love it. They do every yes, they like it. Yes, they <gasps> love it. Well, because it gives us it gives us space and also as we're entering, like we're all in a very formative time in our life. It's it's like it's very interesting to hear what people who've come before us like have to say about Beautiful. where they're at. I hope I that's hope my heart that good. yeah that you're learning from us, but we're also learning from you, and that's the beauty of having these conversations and yeah that you and I have been having for years, Meg, and I'm very proud of you and I love you. Thanks, Mom. I love you too. Mm. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.